dark side. Light this bitch up. What is up, everybody? My name is James D. Fiore, and this is Blackballed. It has been quite a while since I had a guest on the show from, or formerly from, I should say, the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. I am back on the uh, Plymouth Brethren Crazy Cult bandwagon. I am back trying to expose this cult for what they do to people and how they ruin lives. And today, I have a special guest. This guest is someone that I've been communicating with for a little while, and um, her story is is still ongoing. And I, uh, rather than uh, giving a, a long, elaborate intro about what she has gone through, I'm just going to bring her in right now. She is a former member of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, and her name is Heidi. Heidi, can you pronounce your last name? Is it McCamley? Yeah, McCamley. McCamley. You don't like your last name. Why don't you? It's a nice last name. No, thank you. Oh, right. Right. Okay. See, Mm. this is why I'm slow. This is why maybe I'm not quite back in podcast form yet, but uh, I'm trying my best here. Um, Okay. So, first of all, thank you for coming. I know that you. No problem. I know that you've been through a lot. Um, You have uh, your partner, Glenn, is is off camera. He's standing by. We're going to bring him in a little bit later. In order to sort of bring my audience up to speed, I'm going to conduct this interview as if I don't know any of your story. Okay. And I just want to make sure that the, that the audience understands exactly what we're dealing with here because I find your story to be both infuriating and compelling, but I also see sort of light at the end of your tunnel and, and, and I'm very hopeful that it has a happy ending. First of all, can you give me an idea of your upbringing? Where you grew so- up? And, and, and what it was like growing up, uh, you know, inside the Plymouth Brethren. Yeah, so I, I was born here in Perth, which is like kind of in Ontario between Ottawa and Kingston. And I have really loving parents and I have an older brother. I'm oh, sorry, an older sister and a younger brother. There's just the three of us. There's a few years in between all of us. And we lived in a gorgeous little spot in Perth. There was lots of outside time. My parents own a business, so they were always working really hard. But it was good. We did lots of things as a family. My my dad has a brother who left the church when he was younger, but we didn't have anything to do with him at that time. But you kind of grow up at that point. I didn't go to the Brethren School till grade five or six, I believe. So the Brethren School was just kind of starting up at that point. So I went to regular public school up until grade five or six. And then I joined the Brethren School, went there until I was 18, until grade 12. When you're young like that, is there a a discernible, there must be like a pretty profound difference between going to a public school and then ending up at at a Brethren School? There is. There's also obviously the fact that like when you're in the public school, you're wearing skirts and you have like very funny looking head things on every day and like. There's a very distinct difference, especially here in a small town. No, no, please let the cat do that. I love that. Go ahead. (laughs) Just for those listening and not watching, there is a cat who has decided that it's time to play with the curtains beside behind. And we just put these curtains up a couple days ago, and it will not. Yeah, Yeah. it's uh, it's Heidi. It's it's cat tested, Heidi approved. But don't worry, it's going to be fine. (laughs) 
Um, so like you, there's a certain amount of like, you're always the different one and you know, there's things you can't do. And it was very interesting because in public school, they used to, when O Canada played, they used to think that we were allowed to sing it, but some churches and cults aren't. So they would like shoo us out into the hall when Wait a O second. Canada you, was you, playing. You weren't allowed as a Plymouth Brethren student? Uh, as you can Brethren... sing O Canada. You can. Oh, okay. Okay. But some different cults can't. So we would be shooed out to the hallway with some of these other students that, you know, they were trying to protect us. And I remember they'd wheel, you know, TV, video time comes, they'd wheel the TV in and we'd shut the door. And there was windows where they'd leave the door open and crack and you'd be like trying to listen. I remember like wow. Shrek and all that came out and we were like doing the very terrible things of trying to listen. That's me. Um, okay. So um, you grew up in Perth. I get, how, how big is your locality there? I think right now it's around a hundred, somewhere between 90 and a hundred. It was smaller though. For a okay. while, I would want to say it was around 50. So there was no girls my age here growing up. I was had it a, like half a dozen, Was it like half a dozen families or? About that. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Fast forward now. Uh, so your story really is about um, what it's like to now, before I actually get ahead of myself, the person that you ended up um, marrying, was that like an arranged thing or was it like pressured? Like, how did that work? And, and, and what was that experience like for you? In one sense, we don't call it an arranged marriage. So we were interested in one another. We got to talking. And then because we spent some time alone together and we were caught being physical, you know, right. we were shut up, which is like the halfway out thing for about six months. And, you know, I was visiting and I had to write this huge list of every single thing I'd done with this dude. Couldn't contact him. At one point during then, I did I did try leave. I got on a train and left. Hmm. And then I was How told. Old were you? How old were you at that time? 1920. Okay. okay. So really quite young. Like yeah. not knowing very much. Like got out of present school, went straight to work for my parents. And there, there I was, right? Like. So there wasn't very much, like I didn't have friends outside of the community at that time. Like you went to work and you worked and then you were expected to kind of get married, right? Like that was the thing Okay. at that point. And so we were getting to know each other and then obviously we were kicked out. We didn't have anything to do with each other other than there was like one or two phone calls when I did try leave. And then I was told I was going straight to hell if I left. So long story short, came back, came to my sister's. And then they were, they told us we had to get married because we'd done things. So wow. we were given about two weeks of a span to, I was given about two weeks. I had no dress, no wedding dress, not really much house stuff. We didn't have a house. Right. We ended up renting his brother's house. There was no house. I didn't yes. speak to him until we were sitting down. So we were brought back into the brethren, happy do dot day and very shortly after that, we got married. And yeah, I didn't speak to him until I got to the church hall that Tuesday. Can I ask you something? Because I've, I've never asked anyone this before who, who was married inside the Brethren. I know that their schools are not legit, right? Like most right. of them are not accredited. When you get married, is there any um, legal represent? Like usually there there's like, there is. Okay. There is. So okay. We have, every locality would have somebody that's like certified to marry people so like we thankfully because it was a small town i literally went to the town hall got the papers they were thought i was absolutely nuts getting married in two weeks and needed it that quickly 
But since it was a small town that got that all done, we weren't allowed to talk to each other. So we had to very carefully put it in an envelope and the Kingston people got it, um, sent it, got him to sign it, sent it back. Cause we couldn't even talk to each other about getting marriage forms signed, right? It was a no go. We couldn't speak to the wedding. It's very Shakespearean, but in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is a completely legal marriage actually. Like the forms are all signed, you send them in. That is one thing that is completely properly done in the revenue you are married. And you were 20 or 21 when you got married? Yes, when I got married. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, and I know it's difficult, so I'm going to just ask you an overarching question here, and you can answer it any way you want, because the last thing I want to do is make you feel uncomfortable. Describe your marriage for me. Um, it was all very lovely at first. Obviously, we didn't know each other. We really didn't, right? Like we'd started getting to know each other and then we didn't know each other when we got married. I knew that there was issues with him, but I didn't realize the extent of them. Like there was promises that he wouldn't drink and various things like that. He came from a family with no girls. So that was an adjustment in and of itself. But it was not very long into the marriage that the verbal abuse started, which spiraled from there into infidelity in the marriage, lying, like me going out for the day, trying to have a family day and him ending up at a bar. I find out later, like that whole kind of thing when we were supposed to be spending the day as a family. And... Then it obviously spun to physical violence and sexual violence, and it was not a happy marriage. No. Um, first of all, I'm sorry that you went through that. Um, I know that doesn't help, but, you know. Um, and now you say sexual violence, so he would get home from the bar and just help himself. Is that kind of what you mean? Well, you couldn't say no. It's kind of a known thing in the Brethren, too. It's your job as a wife to you know, fulfill things for him. So he couldn't take no as an answer. Even after like hospital visits and I had um, ovarian cysts and we were told like no sexual activity because it was bursting the cysts and it was causing a lot of pain and swelling and I would bleed and that kind of thing. No, he wouldn't take no for an answer. Wow. And you were hospitalized like a half a dozen times during the course of your marriage, right? So I had to go they tell us again to abstain and we'd go back home and that's just repeated and repeated and repeated until I came here. So how long were you married for? Like how long were you married and living together for? Almost six years. Almost six years. And you have a, you have a child. How old is your child? He is, he just turned eight. Wow. Yeah. Um, Crazy. Yeah. And so you've been now separated for two years? Three. Just over three. Three years. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted I, I want my audience to understand. So first of all, okay, so just to recap, you were you were in a marriage that um was sort of hoisted upon you, basically a shotgun wedding, right? Yeah. Um except instead of the father of the bride uh, being the person holding the shotgun, it was the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church itself that was sort of demanding that you guys be together because you guys were like making out and got caught, right? Um, then the marriage uh, turns dark 
Um, his true colors come out. He's an alcoholic. Uh, he won't take no for an answer. So he's basically a rapist. Um, you know, and he assaulted you. And so you, you do the right thing and leave. Give me an idea of what it's like since you've left and what the Plymouth brethren has attempted to do in order to save face for their organization or attempt to save face. It's a big deal for anybody to like walk away from their marriage here. Like obviously Mm -hmm. divorce is not a, not a thing, not to be a thing. Like I know plenty of girls inside here that they may have left, but then they get convinced that it's the right thing and they're all better and they come back. And this just repeats itself and repeats itself. And sadly, the violence and the abuse gets worse every time they go back. Like, I've seen that. Mm. Like, it's very scary. And even when I was living in Kingston, like, there were certain Plymouth brethren that knew. Like, I'd go to them and I'd say, you know, I'm hurt. I need help. No, they would drive me back home with Ryan, knowing full well what I was going back into. And then they'd come visit us later and, you know, you just need to be more subject and do the wifely things. And, and, you know, if you took better care of the house, yada, yada, yada. And then this would just repeat itself. Like me as a human, I can't even fathom if somebody came to me, older than me, younger than me, I don't care. And they knew what was happening to send that person back multiple times. Like that to me just doesn't make sense. You you told me something interesting on the phone. I think it was today that, that I was really surprised to hear. And that is that you said that normally when a husband behaves the way that your husband behaved, Yes. That normally the church will be um, trying to convince the woman to stay, take care of the kid, and they will want to boot out the, yes. the husband that's abusive. What was yes. different in your situation, and why didn't they conduct themselves in that manner? I don't know. I still don't know. I, I honestly think, like, Glenn spoke, or my dad spoke to Glenn about it. Like, I think he still doesn't know. Yeah. Like, obviously, they don't want anything talked about. If, if any details came up, they're like, we can't gossip about it. It's not fair, yada, yada. No, we can't be talking to people about it. Like, if anybody would ask why I wasn't there or that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and sometimes there was a couple of times we went, like, during COVID, there wasn't tons of in-person stuff. But I'd take my son away on weekends and stuff. And the little kids would be like, oh, why don't you live with your dad? He'd be like, oh, my dad hit my mom. I heard and like it. So we moved. And I knew right after Okay. Um, this is all very uh, shocking and 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 not surprising when you're when you're talking about the brethren. Uh, we I'm going to play a clip. Um, your partner Glenn is standing by. Um, he's yeah. going to slide in during the clip. Can you set up this clip for me? It's 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 a covert. Is it a covert recording, or did they know that you were recording? No, no, they knew they were being recorded. Every time they come to see me to try to convince me, you know, that it was better and we I should go back home and you know, that the family unit and things like didn't look good. So we should sort that out. Um, they'd come and there would be meetings were like sometimes almost two hours long. Right. Like, and they just sit there and just apply the pressure and apply the pressure and try to walk me around in circles. You know, would this be one of those things called a priestly visit. Is that what yes, this it is? is a priestly, it says absolutely. A priestly visit. Okay. So uh, I'm going to play the clip when I do. So your partner Glenn is going to slide in beside you. Um, yes. So this is a clip of you and a, a, a priestly visit from a guy named Mike. And then the other voice is your dad, right? Okay, we're, we're going to play that clip. I don't have a transcript, so um, I think the audio should be fine. It's pretty clear. And it's about six minutes long. I'm going to play it in its entirety, and then we'll come back, okay? Just for these parted up again and again and again to get brownie points. I don't know whether, I don't like the word, but get the crown believing 
that we're working together as Christians to move toward reconciliation because if we don't, there's a number of points here that the, the court system is going to do for Heidi. And we're pleading with you guys to do it before then. You made a comment a while ago, Mike, and it just about made me physically ill. You said, we are demanding a lot of Brandon. And I knew right after that, I've been praying. Um, I don't spend enough time on my knees, but I do spend some. Um, I've been praying about it. But I knew right then and there that at that point, morally, you didn't have what it took to guide Brandon through this. And I realized later that you've been helped to see the approach at that time and a few things right after that were wrong. And they got sorted out and you got right about it. So that I appreciate. But that comment at the time, so we were demanding a lot of Brandon, was sickening. It was just like, we're done. He made that comment, we're done. I was just physically second by it. It's like, we're not demanding a lot of bread. I need you guys to see that and agree to it and believe in it and commit yourself to it and change. I hope you've already changed your approach because what you got right about. So that's great. I'm just hoping that you did. We're not demanding too much of bread. This young man needs to be guided through, yes, assembly principles and standing for what's right. Because again, I'm hammering at it. If you don't do it, the court is going to do it for you. And they're not going to be following assembly principles. They are going to be following lines that they have. And by George, it won't be pretty. I'm learning more and more about the court system and it just frightens me. It's not just Evelson. He's part of the system. And it doesn't go necessarily by assembly principles, and I think you both would understand that. No, definitely. Don't take the approach that we're demanding too much of Brandon, because that's not right. I guess, like, we've, we're, we've got to work towards reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And in three years, this is how much that I can see he's improved. Zip, personally. In my spirit, nothing. So if hypothetically, it takes him three years to get to a spot where we can, in our spirit and physically, be together and work towards this. In those three years, I have to have somewhere to live, number one, and it can't be here. You mean basically facing another three years in the living yeah. condition to our those Another brother that have been with him now more on Sundays attitude alone Mike he's an asshole I'm sorry but that's what he's acting like and this is I'm just going to put it out there just the way it is is that <laughs> I see it differently than you. and so do other brethren that are working with him we're not perfection is the furthest thing from our minds here but he is making progress and so we we can't be divided here at this table we've got to be on the same page and, and i've been serving brandon now for a year and a half and he has made progress okay well, is he perfect far from it miles from it but i take with all due respect i take great exception to what you just called him and I'm sorry, but that's not how, that's not the kind of language I use to describe the brethren. 
and I don't think Heidi that's suitable, quite frankly. Um, I would I wouldn't call that's your husband you're speaking about. Correct. And you want to be careful about that. Um, I have a problem with that, Mike. No, I want him to keep going, please. No, this is getting tabled, Mike. Oh. What? What? He's got more to say, Dad. Just let him keep going. You asked me to go over to this one. Okay, yeah. Go, go. Can I just ask you something? Why would I go over in therapy for two years something that he's never said to me, Mike? Okay. You are going, Mike, with blinders on. You're defending a man that I get the defense. Because I get it. That's Welcome what the Lord does. But Mike, I go back to it. We're demanding too much of Brandon. We're asking Brandon to get right and move ahead on reconciliation. It's like I have listened to so many statements in this that have been absolute and utter lies. It's Can you just, keep going? I don't get it. We're brethren working together, party. and it's just lie after lie after lie. There's a third party at the table that. Oh, have you been cheated I on? Was just going well, just, to say the same thing. Mike. I wouldn't mind finishing my sentence, Mike. I, yeah. Mike. Can I finish? This is incredibly important. You are not getting it. You are not understanding what I have gone through, and you are not getting the fact that there's untruths in this table. There's there's untruths been said, and I am not agreeing with it. I said, I'm going to get to the bottom of the thing. I said the truth is going to come out. If you don't have the moral capacity to lead Brandon through getting the truth out, by dumbness, if somebody else in Kingston doesn't step up to the plate, the man's going to court and the man's going to jail. And that's exactly what Mr. Hales didn't want. It's thrown in your shoulders and whoever else is working with you to make sure that doesn't happen. And Mike, you're not doing it. You are not making sure that's not going to happen. You can talk about it, right? Yeah. Um, first of all, the the uh, the voice that wasn't Mike was your dad, and I think yeah. he deserves credit um, for for the way he handled that. He it sounded like he was standing up for you. Yeah. People that are listening to that, when they, I mean, it, it must be shocking for uh, not just you, but for people listening to to. Uh, by the way, hi Glenn. <laughs> Let's welcome Glenn. Glenn, what's your last name? Sorry, Barker. B A R K E R. Barker. Okay. Glenn, Bar Glenn Barker, uh, you're Heidi's partner. Welcome to the show. Um, so, uh, just before we talk to you, Glenn, I just want to like point out that when people are listening to this Mike person, who is the person assigned for the priestly visit to come and basically convince you that your abusive husband is worth reconciling with, which is yeah. amazing because he spent more time talking about you using the word asshole than he did your asshole husband who is abusive. Um, Glenn, when you hear of audio like that, what is going through your mind as Heidi's partner? Um, to be honest, right now, um, tonight, I, it's, it's about any other one, any other person's ex like opinion, just like yourself, of that Mike dude, is that he is a little bit mentally challenged. Well, he's mentally challenged because he's programmed by the brethren to think yeah. the way he thinks, right? I mean, yeah, and so, like, so are Heidi's parents. Right. Um, so are my parents. So are everyone we love. We would love to do anything to 
freedom of that. Is but there is is at the same it, time we we are fighting them to be free of it ourselves. When when your dad is defending you like that, is there ramifications for him afterwards? Does he now get shut up because he wasn't following brethren, you know, doctrine or whatever? He hasn't he hasn't been shut up. He's looked down upon. They're spreading lies about what he's said and done. Like he's always been looked down upon, but even more so now. But he was looked down upon just the fact that he took me in and didn't send me back. Because truth be told, he didn't want me to go back to him in the state that he was in. The common opinion is that he is treading pretty thin ice. Um, and we've heard him say things that have completely contradicted. Um, Rather not bringing. Yeah. But like not out of like, just out of the goodness of his heart. Like Yeah. We, we've actually, I've witnessed the man actually, you know, have be a true dad. You know what I mean? Like this hurts I, him. Like it, it hurts yeah. him for them to. It hurts him now, obviously. That I'm gone, but it hurt him every single time to like have them sit there and be like, "Oh, but like you know, if ten percent of it was true, or if you know, it would be a little horrible, or you know, that kind of stuff." Like it, they don't. And oh, poor Brandon, because he hasn't been able to, you know, talk to you. And what, like, it's just. Yeah, because just to review. Um, he's uh, physically assaulted you. He's certainly mentally and emotionally abused you. He's sexually assaulted you. He, he this is a father's worst nightmare. And, and yeah. what, I, what, what your dad shows me is that, cause whenever I talk to people about family that are still in the brethren, one of the things that, that sticks out constantly is that they don't want to, um, to, to say certain things once they have been excommunicated because it might have a negative impact on the family. That's, that's still there. Your dad took it upon himself to shoulder that. Yeah. Okay. While it's there. And and why I think that's important is because it's the first time I've heard evidence of an example of a person still inside the brethren siding with the excommunicated daughter rather than the brethren itself. Well, I wasn't excommunicated then. Pardon me? I wasn't excommunicated when they were talking to me then. Okay. We had these priestlies like... (laughs) Well, I put them off and put them off because I didn't like them. But right. they just kept trying to come. And the point of them was to try to get me to go back yeah. and reconcile and, and recant and, and you know, drop charges. And, you know, because we don't want to go to jail and all this kind of thing. Yeah. So can we just uh, point out that can, before, um, can you tell us, uh, th- this all sort of circumnavigates around the fact that uh, charges were laid against your ex-husband um, yeah. for um, for all of the abuse that you suffered. Uh, I believe it was uh, assault, sexual assault, and forcible confinement. Are those the three yeah. charges? Those are the three charges at the current time, yeah. And what we just heard was Mike attempting to uh, convince you to reconcile without going to the courts, correct? Are you even allowed to drop charges? Isn't it in the hands of the crown now? You can basically, I have the opportunity to like the, the courts, people will call you and say, if the crown feels that this is appropriate, will you drop them? And like, there's been letters written about how wonderful a person, well, there's one letter that I have a recording of 
them reading it to me about how wonderful he is and blah, 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 why he doesn't deserve to have charges. Like, excuse me? In Australia, he would be facing a police prosecutor. It wouldn't even have anything to do with Heidi. He would be charged on the medical records. There's something wrong with the government here. Yeah, I mean, but the good news is that the charges are, are still... Uh, there and there's a court appearance, I believe, tomorrow. It's just a remand, yeah. remanding date. I think that to to figure out when your pretrial court date is, or did you already do pretrial? Well, they did that, but then of course it got bumped. Right, it's been right. bumped for like over three years now. So I've had this hanging over my head for over three years. And how many times has your ex seen your child in those three years? I like. I, I sorry. What I mean by that is, um, wasn't there like a in period? Person? Of, yeah. Like you know, for, way back at the beginning before I pressed charges. Really? So it's been years since he's even laid eyes on his own son in real life, right? Correct. That is a good thing, though, is it not? Oh, it is for me. Yeah. I kept kind of waiting, expecting him to ask. Didn't. And Did I even made attempts. Like we did like Zoom calls at one point. I wasn't on because there's a, I have a restraining order against it. And not very many Zoom calls in. It was completely traumatic for Ryan. He was back to hiding under tables. And like adults would raise their voices and he would just go hide. He was expecting something bad to happen, just like it had happened for the first four and some odd years of his life. Did he mistreat your son? Yeah, like like he's just, yeah. Sorry, can you say that again, Glenn, please? I said if you turn the music up too loud, he runs and hides because he thinks mom's about to get beat up. That is awful. Um... What do you hope will be the result of this trial uh, as far as not just your ex-husband goes, uh, but as far as the way the brethren are going to handle something like that? Because from what I recall, um, you know, from, from what I can tell, and, and, and I listened to Richard Marsh explain it a lot more eloquently than I could when you guys were on, when you were on the Get a Life podcast, is the... Um, the idea that the brethren really, they don't care about your ex-husband. They care about the bad publicity. Is that basically your understanding as well? Yeah, and, and they care about the picture-perfect brethren. Like, they don't want anybody knowing that this stuff, never mind, happens inside there. But that it's, you know, that I asked for help and didn't get it. Like, they don't want any of that getting out. That's That doesn't go with their whole image and their whole, like, what they're putting out with RRT and all their lovely, happy little community values. It doesn't line up with that. It goes against it. And they don't like that. They'll support the advice of the wealthiest amongst them right up until the point where the law overtakes and they they know they're going to lose. And then they'll screw him up and throw him out like a piece of rubbish. And they'll probably try and take his business or whatever on the way. That's about how they operate. But if you're not wealthy, it's the same as the government here. Or you're not one of the friends. You well, could get apparently. away with murder. Like if we had a case like this in Australia, it would have been absolutely shut down a long time ago, done and dusted. He wouldn't be in the room. <laughs> Never mind. They would not have. They would not have stood by him for a second because they know they wouldn't. They wouldn't win. Yeah, because it's like the Streisand effect, right? I don't know, Glenn, if you're familiar with that, but um, you know. Whenever you try to hide something from the public and you do certain things, uh, you end up uh, ensuring that the public will find out, right? Like that, that's, yeah. it's, it's always the cover up that gets them, in other words. Yeah, right? like I think it's 
regards to your question, like I hope that anybody, like husband, wife, child, in the PVCC, like in the brethren, knows that it's not okay. They're not above the law. There are consequences to your actions. You can't just expect mommy or daddy or the front row brother or people with money to just keep buying you out of trouble when you're hurting people. That's not how this goes. And to stop covering it up. Can you give me a couple examples of the type of um, uh, negotiation tactics, I guess you'd call it, or blackmail, whatever you want to call it, that the lawyers have attempted over the years? Um, I know there was, uh, like, weren't they threatening you with, like, uh, basically you'd be homeless, you know? Well, like, yeah, yeah. At one point they tried to bribe me. So they knew I'd put an offer in on the house where I'm in now. And so they are like, if you drop the charges, sadly I don't have a recording of this because at the beginning of that meeting, which was at a hotel in Brockville, they wanted just me and my dad there. And then there was three brothers, one from Kingston, one from Montreal, one from Bristol. And the one brother from Kingston, his, they were going to pay for that. He was going to pay for the house. I was going to rent it. I wasn't even going to have it. I was going to have to pay him rent. And then if I dropped all three charges, there was something else. And then basically let Ryan see Brandon unsupervised. And yeah, I was just like, no, no, and no, and no. And like, they were like upset at me for not, like they were almost offended that I didn't take the offer. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Cause is that because basically anytime I, I hear that they were, if I hear something like that, um, what you just said is that they're, they were like offended that you didn't take the offer. Is that that chauvinistic culture that yeah. basically is like, why isn't this woman being obedient with us? What's going on? Yeah. yeah basically. So I, from the word get go, they didn't really know what to do with me because I wouldn't just, like, I think they thought, oh, after a couple months, if we come see her, she'll eventually go back. She'll eventually cave, you know? Yeah. And I just didn't. And they didn't, they didn't like that. They didn't know what to do with me. Really. Glenn, how, how does this, how does this sit with you? How does this make you feel? I'm looking at your face and I'm just like, that's the face I'd be wearing right now. You know, like you seem, first of all, I, I, I just want to say I'm really happy that you guys found each other because I think, um, you know, Heidi seems like a strong person, but it must be really amazing to have someone in your corner, Heidi. And I, and I kind of want to know, Glenn, how you kind of feel about this whole situation. Like, given your upbringing also in the Brethren, you kind of have like an inside baseball perspective at what their tactics are like, what they're going to try, the fact that they probably spy on you, Heidi, all that kind of stuff. How, what's, what's going through your mind these days? Yeah, all those things you just said, like, but it, it, it's probably a little bit more raw. And at the moment, in regards to all of this, there's one thing I'd like to do, or two things, really. And that is if there, if anyone in government in or in the law in a Canada ever gets to see this or watch it, or you know anyone that can that is connected to the law here in this government like that we can invite to talk to, I'd, I'd like to do that because it's broken. you got, like, this is your country. She's born and bred here and you let this happen to your daughters and, like, I'm not talking about just normal fatherly stuff like where are you as a country if you're going to let this sort of stuff happen? When you say let this stuff happen, do you mean allow this court case to drag on so long? He shouldn't have been given bail. 
He's been a free man for three years. With no consequences. He should not have gotten bail. There shouldn't have been an option. And there is so much worse that goes on in this country and people get bail. And then, and then they get absolutely puny charges and stuff, depending on how wealthy you are. It, and what it's, you it is broken here. And I don't care who hears this. That's what's going on in Canada. It's disgusting. I have been, like, I've sprouted more grey hairs and felt physically sick in the last six weeks more than I'll ever have in my whole life, just seeing what goes on here and learning about it because I didn't know before I come here. If I may offer a perspective, um, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, the, the, the way our system is broken is Crown prosecutors are always looking for the deal before they look for the court case. That's one thing. You can tip the person who makes your coffee and you can tip your lawyer. Right. And we have a clogged court system. So that what they feel like is that we need to make deals to unclog the system. But what's hilarious about that and tragic actually is that now this case has been going on for three years. How many times have you been in court? Half a dozen times, maybe? I haven't had to go. There's been like virtual things, obviously, and phone calls and back and forth. And, right. and yet the, just the, like the mental pressure of like, well, here it comes, here it comes, and maybe we're going to do something, maybe we're not. And then this just goes on and on. Like, it's a and you're lot. Right. And you're right, Glenn. A lot of that has to do with the fact that um, if you can afford a good lawyer, that lawyer knows every single way to work our system where they keep in mind, they know the Crown wants to settle the case. They know that the Crown doesn't want to go to court. They would rather have the two parties agree on something. And then what they do is they just one legal maneuver after another that will drag it out as long as possible. 100%. And like, I'm also want this to get to some of the police around here. Like, what are you? Are you just playing police or what? You, they went and arrested him, locked him up, and let him out 24 hours later. Well, you just no, like, playing cops and robbers or what? And he's been out for three years later. Someone that did these things, he would have he would have barely survived jail in my country. Yeah, yeah. We um we our system is is broken. You're you're absolutely right. It's broken in so many ways too. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the process is uh, for when you get arrested. I, I'm not sure who decides whether you can get bail or not. I think it's a judge. I don't think it's the police. What I'm saying is that it should have been the police prosecutor, a police prosecutor, not a, a, the prosecutor should have in this country should be able to take those charges and that evidence and press charges on that person, regardless of what Heidi does. It, that is the way it is. It's just that the crown will often um, the 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 power is with the crown to drop the charges, not necessarily Heidi. But but what they're doing is they're saying that we will defer to Heidi if Heidi decides that she wants the charges set. Because again, their mandate isn't justice. Their mandate is this idea that cutting a deal is better for everyone. And that was the other thing too. With as soon as a plea deal was put up. The first thing that was mentioned to be taken off the table or that anyone wanted taken off the table is the sexual charges. Yeah. There wouldn't even be an option for that in most cases. 
That'll be the last thing that got taken off the table. Yeah. I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you, but you're absolutely right. This must feel strange for you as a person not from here to try to quantify what the hell is going on with this case. And, it's, and I think it's painful more than anything, isn't it? It's frustrating. Quantify? I want to minify it. Like, like just fry it all together. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would like to sort of call out or say is I welcome, if, if, the, if the brethren still want to do any sort of reconciliation, right, come and do a podcast with us. Like, I don't know who it is now, but they do have people that are their media front. Back when I was still there, it was um, Jimmy Hales. I don't know whether he's still kicking or still around, but there's plenty of good people that are good at talking. <clears throat> Even my cousin, who I rang the night after we uh, got here in that, which is um, John O'Bowder from Bundaberg. Um, if the brethren want to come and say their piece, and still keep some sort of face and deal with this person who is making them look horrible, like they're, they're supporting some of the most disgusting humans in the world. Like, aside, aside of just this case, like in other things too, they have sided with some horrible... Pedophiles. Yeah. yeah. Like horrible And supported people. things that... Like, make, make you lose sleep for a week and your skin crawl for a month. Like, it's disgusting when you start getting into it and learning more and more of it. I'm, I'm over it. But if they want to do the last bit of reconciliation, is come and talk to us. Do a podcast with us. I am going to go out on a limb here and say that no one from the Plymouth Brethren will come on Black Bolt. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost certain of it. Well, have we, have we ever invited them? You know what, Glenn? I haven't. But I figured when I call them defenders of pedophilia and the robbers of people's faith and money, I don't think that they're probably likely to come here, but I will invite them. Hey, I have no, no. They, they don't believe it, you know. But they'll... They say they are. They're not a cult. That's the one thing. Like when I wrote a letter to my parents, that was one of the things. My sister, too. It's not a cult. Stop calling it a cult. Take that out of your letter. You can't call it a cult. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me? Pardon? Can brain. I still call it a cult? Because I don't no think I can stop. Yeah, they're not brainwashed. None of that. No, no, not at all. They don't even so, understand. They don't even stop to think about what that means. Well, they it's can't think. Like the, you are the, opposing them. The interesting thing that um, I've learned... Uh, interviewing people like yourselves. Are you still, you're you're out as well, right, Glenn? You're not in the Plymouth Brethren anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I've been out for 17 years now. Okay. Um, I, I find all of you people inspiring and aspirational and compelling. And I, I, I what I really find interesting is how, um, how there is a, a, an, an under, like you guys have this weird balancing act of, of, thinking like a person on the outside, but also remembering what it's like to think like a person on the inside. And that must be really frustrating in situations like this. And I'm wondering if you guys strategize their next move and try to figure it out because you know what they're thinking. Is it just so bloody easy because it's so predictable? Like, how do you no. navigate those waters? It is, it is for me. I can just about, I can see the next move a mile away. 
sometimes like take some convincing to get it through to me because <laughs> I like to think that they're not going to do that. We There's still, still part of me. We still love that. our families. I still, I still miss them, even though like they'll say some horrible things about me. Um, I still love them. They'll, they'll, they'll lie, tell lies, and they'll do all sorts of crap just to keep some sort of face for the brethren, you know, and I'm the devil and I'm an opposer and I'm this and that, right? And they even tried to tell people that I was um, an atheist. Oh, my God. That is yeah. awful. <laughs> I love the <it>, James. <laughs> you know, I only get one public holiday a year on the 1st of April. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I'm an atheist. You can... You can tell them that if you're oh, so you, atheist, you enjoy that same public holiday. The first of April. I just pretend that I'm Catholic sometimes, just so I can get the holidays, right? Like oh, I was raised Catholic. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like for us, because we like we're still waiting, like with the whole thing with Ryan. Obviously, I'm the custodial parent, and I've had him for three years, and it doesn't really look good that his dad doesn't give a shit because his dad doesn't give a shit. Never did. Didn't when he was home. Didn't when he left. That's just straight up facts. Like, yeah, and it's funny. He hasn't. He's seen. He's laid eyes on him twice or whatever he said in like the last two and a half years or whatever. And and he's demanding like all of these um, custody like custody things, isn't he? Isn't isn't that what he's he hoping for? Only one time left, though. He never asked for anything until I officially left. Wow. And how long did you ago did you officially leave? About a month. A month. Can we talk about the um, awesomeness that was you during the last like six months uh, of being in the PBCC? Are we? Can we go there? If like, you want to. Well, I'm just saying the 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 um because okay before I knew who you were, I was so giddy. Like this is me in in bed on my laptop working, and then finding out that you exist, I was like. Ee! these are my legs okay i was so happy because i'm just i, I was like well, you have we have someone on the inside this is awesome um so give me an idea of what that was like i actually th i was so proud of you when i found out that um you know through cheryl and carmen and whoever that what what was happening and what um the lengths that you were going in order to protect yourself and your child are you able yeah. to talk about any of that stuff yeah well i well the bare basics like as in the more stuff that went on and the more they protected my ex and the more like literal stuff that blew my own mind, the more lengths they were going to, to hurt me or try to control my life and yet make his just, you know, as best as they could. I would like the struggle for me was having to go to these meetings like daily and sit there. And some people wouldn't even speak to me because I was supposed to be back with my husband. Some people wouldn't even come to my house because Brandon was in the clear, which is a brethren term for he's good to go. You know, it's very now, you know, Christian and no sins. Everything's all hunky dory and beautifully arranged. You know, they wouldn't even come to my house and I invited them for dinner. And I'm talking to people that I've been close to my whole life because I grew up here. Right. And I had to like go and sit there and like some people wouldn't speak to me. Some people would just glare at me. Some people would pretend and sit there and listen to all this stuff that I knew that they were doing the polar opposite of day in and day out. And it made me so angry inside. Yeah. Like. You, uh, you're treated like a leper. Yeah. At the same time, you know, she has a, 
a younger brother in the company where she works for her still, for her brothers, for her, for her parents, right, who can operate at about probably not even one-tenth of what the capacity of what she does for the business, get, it gets paid more than four times what she gets paid. Wow. So this is, this is a standard brother We're, thing, though. You understand the, that. Like, boys are paid more than girls, that yada, yada, yada. It's the whole It's the whole male thing. It's like, mm. even when we started doing Zoom meetings, I remember thinking, yay, we could all sit on a couch together, like as a family, right? Like, because I was living with my parents. No, 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 we cannot do that. We get a letter, no three. The men have to sit in the front, the ladies have to be behind, yada, yada, yada. So my little guy, who also hated meetings and struggled to sit still in them, had to sit up front with my dad and brother while I sat behind. Oh, my God. Wait, like, excuse me? Excuse me. It's from, just, my cold, from my cold, dead hands, I would say. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, it's Keep just, it's just not. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. swearing. I'm sorry. I just saw that look, Lynn. Sorry about that. And they, <laughs> like, we have, they had these awesome, like, group, like, video calls going on. Like for people, and I think I was the only one at that time that joined them that was still in the brethren, right? And so that was like a very eye-opening thing for me. And just like knowing that there's people out, like we're told, you're, you know, you're dead, you're going to hell, there's nobody out there, the world is a horrible place, there's all these things that happen. I remember saying to my parents, yeah, yeah, I've seen them, I know them, I've lived them. So, you know, here we are. And people oh. out there can't believe what you guys are doing, but yet... Yeah, that should be that's 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 worth talking about, and we'll talk about this. And I think we'll 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 wrap in about ten minutes. But I want to um, know. I want the audience to know you still work at a Plymouth Brethren owned company. I do. I do. do I actually love business? my job, which is sad. So, and you just described your 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 younger brother getting paid four times as much. Is it the same? Well, I haven't position? seen the figures, but I know other people have. I haven't gone and looked in is there. It, is it the same position? So he manages the sports the falls, and I manage the showroom in Perth. So it's two locations. My, the location I manage is bigger. Has anyone so, in that, that work? Yeah. 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 The same job. yeah. He's not is, been there for very long either. And I've, I think I'm about six years total now. Is there any, is there any buddy that has ever gone to the labor board about this type of discrepancy? Because it's highly illegal. It's not legal. Um, I think people have, but I think that it just gets very hush, 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 and then they get big settlements and nobody talks about it. I don't know of any brother and girl that's ever done it. No, you just grow up knowing that even if you do the exact same job, even if you had better grades and you're more qualified, that you are going to get paid less. That's just a thing. Don't expect to get paid the same. Don't. Because yeah. you're a girl. You're not going to. There's that many accountants in there, too. Like, yeah. I know. I they could wiggle the whatever they want to do. Like, they could create you a whole new set of books to present to the taxation department and make it look good. They're that good. But would that match the tax return of the of say the mm. last year? I think, don't think it would have to if you've got the right if you know the right people and you've got enough money to cover it up. Yeah. And if the right I mean that's not what my parents would do. They wouldn't use, but if you just pay this person so much on the wage and so much on his on his business number or you know they yeah. They are all. There's a lot of accountants in there for a reason. There's got to be a way. I I feel like I, I've just uh, like I just had a eureka moment when you guys were talking about that because 
I, I don't know if I've ever, ever discussed this with, um, you know, the main sort of excommunicated members like uh, Richard and Carmen and Cheryl and Lane. But it seems to me that um, the way that Capone, who was a murderous gangster, they got him on tax evasion. And, and so maybe we need the, compo- the, the Capone effect for something like the Plymouth Brethren. And just like report all across the country and just, just literally report every Brethren-owned company and say there is widespread abuse, widespread unfair paying systems where men get paid more than women and people for the same job, all that. It's not legal. And I know they have all these accountants, but I think that there's probably a part of them that would be like, um, we just got 300 different complaints for our 300 companies in Canada. Maybe we want to fucking figure this out. I mean, I bet you even your ex-husband's lawyer, if the, if you guys ever have some weird arbitration again, just, you know, just to sit at the same table again and they attempt a reconciliation, throw that on the table and just let, oh, by the way, I haven't even like called the labor board yet about all the shenanigans going on at the company that I work for, just to see what they say. Watch them squirm a little bit, you know, like, because I think that is one way to sort of, you know, go ahead. Glenn. I, said, I said this week's game, right, that like, because... Once I stopped, because their only move basically after I got here was to try and come in between us. Yeah, that is their move right, right now. So we, we talked about this before I even came here, right, that they're going to try and get in your ear and talk about me and they're going to try and get in, talk to me about you and set us apart so that, you know, this all doesn't work. So you've got to be strong, right? So straight away, I, and... I said it when I got here, and straight away that was that was their first move. I said it, and it did happen. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> got to a point where, because Heidi is very kind and very big-hearted, and I I understand a hundred percent. I love my family very dearly too. Like, um, so we agreed that she would go down on her own to talk to him, and boom. They succeeded. They told Heidi that I abused my own mother. Oh my god! Physically abused my own mother. Not true at all. And then <laughs> it's not. It's not true. Uh, There's none of it is true. Did they attempt to get your mom on record or anything like that? But we can ring her now if you want. <laughs> uh, I I had Heidi ring her on WhatsApp and that. Before I was shut up, oh, I wouldn't look at the phone because she doesn't like me when I have whiskers. Well, she, she didn't won't. actually want to talk she, to Brian. It's all so she, she did answer. About. She did answer, and I think she was like totally confused because, like, she didn't know who I was, and she did talk to me for a few minutes, and then I asked her if she wanted to talk to Glenn, and no, 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 not right now. Maybe another time. Like that's your son. But getting like, back to what you were saying about work, right? So we said, no, you won't talk to us one-on-one ever again. We gave you an inch, you took a mile. And they've tried consistently to try and get the young, to get Ryan on his own all the time to the point where I've said no. Because if Bruce Hale says next time your grandchild comes, keep him, they will. And her mother said she would and her father said he wouldn't mom just didn't say anything dad's like i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't keep him 
This is one of those things that we've heard a few times, right? Like where if there's a court battle like this and, and the, and, and a member of the family that isn't excommunicated uh, gets possession of a child, that child may end up in Australia. This is what I remember hearing Richard Marsh yeah. uh, say on the podcast, on the get a life podcast that, you know, they'll, and there's been a case like that, that I can remember, I, I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if it's the right name, but um, the kid that was taken from, I think Montreal to, Australia many many moons ago and it's funny because I've had two people on the podcast Mr. Fox from uh, Australia and Dennis Rag from here who were both kind of involved in those, that negotiation to send that child away from the rightful parent and I just am completely floored like this is kidnapping <laughs> they do it. they've done it they've done it yeah. in England too that's yeah. the thing that terrifies There's... us and I think that's one of the biggest stressors not in our relationship but just in our everyday life, like even when Ryan's playing on the street, when he's doing anything, with like they, we knew that they were going to try to take him from the school. The school called us and let us know. Like they said, we can't, we can't do that. He can't just come pick him up. He's, you're the custodial parent. There's, there's been cases where they've uh, even given kids drugs, like sleeping pills, so they fell asleep and then they put them in a car and took them off so their dad couldn't see him and stuff like that, and to, to get him away from the parent that was not in fellowship. Yeah. You know, my wife took my kids um, um, <laughs> when I was in a hospital and I was so livid and she's five minutes away, you know, <laughs> like I could, and I see them. I see them. I see my children. If I was in that position, it would put me like that. Look, Glenn, that I totally respect that you have on your face, this entire podcast, that would manifest into the rest of my body and I would be out for blood, brother. You know, yeah, like if the, they take Ryan, I like. There's just no like. Uh, they won't. You know why? Because, uh, you know, I think that they understand what they're really dealing with, and also you have a man beside you, and you're strong, and I don't think that that will ever ever happen. I I, 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 I I'm hopeful too. that it won't. My but, uncle adores Ryan, and if anything was to happen, like I'm. He would come along with us on our brigade to sort some things out. Like, there's just the only um, since I put a bit of a stop to all that, like trying to get in between us and everything like that. Well, they they open slather at work whenever they've got her on eye and they get stuck into her. You know, they would tell her to come upstairs and then they get they got her. You know. Are you allowed? Is there a dress code at work? Can you wear a T-shirt that says "cult" and just walk around? <laughs> as far as the um, discrimination or bullying or harassment goes at work, man, like you can't do that. Like it's not. I, that that's been my thing from day one. Is like if they don't stop it, tell them we'll go legal with it. But I'm too nice. We do that. We can't. Like. I, I actually wanted, love I my job. That's the sad part of it. I absolutely love it, and I'm really, really good at it. Well, sorry, like, can, can, you, can you tell me what you do? I, I actually don't know. The showroom, that could be, do you sell yeah, cars? Yeah, so I work, so they do custom wheelchairs as kind of one half of the business, and then the other half of the business is, like, selling, like, knee braces and compression stockings and oh, everyday yeah. items to help disabled people and seniors and special needs. So yeah. I absolutely love what I do. I love who comes in. I love the problems we solve. I love helping them get their home safer or, you know, just be healthier overall. 
I absolutely love what I do. And not everybody could do that job. You have to be patient when they would like to speak to you for an hour about something, you know, when you're just trying to sell them a cane and all that kind of thing, you know, or there's just challenges. We give them Jimmy rig things every day to make things work for people with different challenges, right? We've thought about starting our own business. We probably still will. Actually, we will. I mean, we, yeah. we could quite easily do the same business better than they do it. And, oh, that'd um, be great. Be their competitor. I know some, I know some people who'd like to work for us too. Oh, but I don't know. It's like my parents also have worked really hard, like to have that job there for me and for my brother, and yeah. and they let me work, come back and work there. It's not it's not a common thing that brother and sisters work. It's not a done thing in general. It's looked down upon, to be honest. You know, and at one point, one of the letters came back. Why is she working? Well, because it's twenty. Because I just, live to paraphrase I Justin Trudeau, it's twenty twenty three. I mean, yeah. shit. <laughs> right? right. Anyway, not that I want to paraphrase Why Justin Trudeau. I don't think you're a Justin Trudeau fan. You 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 didn't like the fact that their lawyer was Justin Trudeau's old lawyer. I I thought that was no. like interesting, but we won't we won't get into that. But but he he's at like a thousand dollars an hour. I think you were saying right, like very very expensive. And if you look at his like sheet that who he's who he's represented, it's nasty, corrupt scum of the earth. Why would you hire him? Like okay, I, other than remember, other than Trudeau, who do you remember anybody from that list? Well, there was like Catholic priests that had you know had child oh, pornography really? and cops that had done some immoral things like there was a whole list of them margaret trudeau and something or other and then like they didn't i asked for probably months before i finally found out who his lawyer was and i looked him up and i i did i threw up it bothered me probably half the reason well like well as far as we are told they've never they haven't had much communication from the hierarchy in australia about no. what to do with this whole thing here other than We've heard that the one thing that bothers them most is, you know, doing this podcast and, or doing the podcast that we did. Bothers them, yeah. Oh, um, word out there. Oopsie daisy. Like, I think that probably half the reason why they haven't um, said or done anything is because, like, they really don't know what to do. And they, they bargained with the wrong person. Like, they really did. They really jumped on the wrong boat that's right that's why i love this i love it when i have you guys on because i i my i had noam chomsky on a couple days ago and it's you guys are all a bunch of like ex-cult members and and i'm going to call you all like chomsky's because i i try to handle the interviews in the same way when noam chomsky's on i ask him a question and then i just sit back and 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 listen to him talk and that's all I have to do with you guys too, because it is so self-evidently corrupt and disgusting what this group does to people that don't want to be in that group anymore, that it all speaks for itself. I don't know who this Jimmy Hales person is. Is he related to, to um, Bruce? Yeah. He's a cousin of Bruce. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy Hales, if you're listening, you can come on Blackballed anytime you want. I will treat you fair. Listen, I've had Max Bernier on. I've had Christine Anderson on. I have had people from the farthest regions of the far right that you could ever imagine. The interview is amicable. I promise, and I mean this, that if anybody that's a spokesperson for the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church wants to come on Blackballed, I will treat you fairly. I'll even send you the questions in advance. I will not sandbag you. 
because I would love to hear the explanations for some of these tactics. I am not holding my breath, Glenn. <laughs> I am he talks about what, sorry? He's very fast talker. Like he speaks really, 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 really fast. And, and he is good at it. That's why he was their um, PR man. Yeah. They like to get people that can talk circles around people. Yeah. Oh my God. Does he? Oh, that would be. Listen, I, 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 I try to be humble, but um, <laughs> one of my gifts is not allowing people to talk circles around me. <laughs> so I don't. He can try. I'll just let him talk. It, it, it's funny because. Yeah. When when you have certain people on the show um, and you realize like what they are, it's really better just to let them talk because I think that audiences will be like, what the fuck is like, yeah. like cause as, soon, exactly. as, as soon as he starts quoting scripture or quoting brethren doctrine, th this Jimmy Hales person is probably the kind of person, correct me if I'm wrong, Glenn and Heidi, who, uh, if he was watching this podcast, he would be more disgusted at me saying the word fuck than he would about the actual charges that your ex-husband has against him. Yeah, 100% he would. Like, yeah. 17 years ago, if I said the word fuck, it didn't even sound right. I had to learn how to say that word. <laughs> well, no offense, Glenn, but most Canadians, when you say the word fuck, it doesn't sound like fuck anyways. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> fact. <laughs> I can't do it now. So I'll show yeah. it. <laughs> Um, listen, guys, I, I, I'm uh, I'm so hopeful that your case will uh, will turn out the way that it should. I yeah. am I, I am very thankful that you guys are going to uh, that you guys were here tonight, Glenn. I I'm I'm with you, buddy. Like I, I feel like I can identify with you uh, specifically because I have a protectionist nature inside of me when it comes to my family, and I I see that look on your face, and it makes me proud of you. And and I just want to let you guys both know that. Um, I'm not the only one that's proud of you. Like Heidi, you are proving yourself to be a resilient, strong woman. And I'm so happy that you have Glenn to help you with this. And um, I thank you both very much for coming on Black Bull today. Thanks for having us. No thank problem. you. We'll talk soon. Oh, wow. You know, no matter how many times I hear stories uh, of people that are no longer in that organization, it, it, it still floors me. It, it's still hard to believe that a group like this can exist um, with basic impunity. Um, I, I don't, I don't know why why the world is still like this, uh, and I don't understand uh, what the fifty thousand members of this cult worldwide are, you know, are thinking. I guess they can't think. I guess they're, I guess they're brainwashed. It's really interesting though because, um, you know, the, half of me is like they're brainwashed you know, and fuck them and all that kind of stuff. Really, it's the leadership. And you kind of got a feel for um, for the people that are in it, but but aren't uh, considered elders or whatever. Uh, Heidi's dad, who you heard in that audio, is a legit hero in my eyes. Because even though he's still in the Brethren, um, you could see him stand up to the uh, person, Mike, responsible for that priestly visit that disgusting man that uh, tried to make it seem like her, like Heidi saying the word asshole was worse than the, uh, the assault and rape and, and, and all the other crimes that this, uh, her husband, uh, her ex-husband allegedly committed. And, you know, you have to, you have to hand it to them. You know, when you're brought up in a situation like that, that is really hard to do, you know, to, to go against the organization that 
raised you and and gave you your moral center and your ethics to it must be very difficult uh to in that position to stand up you remove the cult and and the father um you know all of a sudden you know your job is is far more pronounced than that you're you're just like get the fuck out of my house whoever you are mike and and never come back but we have to always understand that looking at looking at it through the lens of a person that's been in there their whole life that is um a very rare thing that you just heard so i'm really happy that at least heidi has uh she seems to have a good support system um she can come back here anytime you want uh bruce hales uh, once you get over your heart surgery or whatever it is that that's going on with your ticker there that jesus did because obviously he, he does everything um get your cousin jimmy to come on black ball <laughs> sorry i keep on laughing because i know that they don't have the balls to do it. <laughs> it's just so funny the the upside for them would be to plead their case and if their case is strong then they shouldn't have any problem with it but i have a feeling that they will not be coming onto the show and that's too bad because fuck it would be a great show um, I don't have any shows booked yet this week, but I will. Um, and, and it will probably be tomorrow. And, uh, and yeah, my big thanks again to Heidi and Glenn, and we'll see you next time on Black Bolt. Black Bolt. Black, black, black I am having difficulty loading my outro because it won't take it for some reason. This might be an outro-less show. We'll try one more time. And if it doesn't work, no outro for the show. Okay, that's fine. Thank you for joining everybody. And we'll see you next time on Black Bull. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.